mindfulness mode. Frequency has a really big impact on us as humans, right? Because we're energy and energy moves according to frequency. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. I'm going to start something new next week on Sunday night when I always publish my episode. I'm going to start doing solo episodes every Monday. And I'm just going to be sharing a little bit more about myself, what I've learned about mindfulness, what I can help you with about mindfulness. I will be answering questions. If you have a question that you'd like me to talk about on the show next week, email me bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and I'd be very happy to talk about it. And uh, also, you know, I'm doing hypnosis now, helping people who are stuck, who want to uh, move ahead in their life and they just feel frustrated for one reason or another. So do connect with me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll we'll set something up we'll talk about what i can do to help you and we'll make it happen so oh and if your question gets chosen to be discussed on next week's show i will send you a free mindfulness mode t-shirt so how's that yeah get your question into me bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll talk about it next week on the show so sit back relax and enjoy today's episode I'm here, Mindful Tribe, with a really fun guy who loves to laugh and he loves to teach and help people. I'm here with Daniel Mangana. Daniel, it's great to have you with us. How are you? Thanks for having me, Bruce. I'm glad that we made this happen. I'm excited to co-create this experience with you. Me too, for sure. Are you in mindfulness mode today, Dan? Let me check. Yep. That is awesome. It's great. And well, I I always start with this question, Dan. What does mindfulness mean to you? I think mindfulness is just being aware, like having a a conscious awareness of what's going on internally. I think one of the challenges that sometimes people face is trying to control what's going on in their mind versus building a healthy relationship where we can communicate and build an expansive internal environment. But that begins with having an awareness of what's going on inside. And for me, that's what mindfulness is. Control, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) I've never wanted to control anything or anyone, you know? (laughs) How about you, Dan? (laughs) Do you know what? I I do my best to not go into controlling mode, but you know, when fear kicks in, a very natural human response, anxiety, we start to fret. And oh my God, what am I gonna do? I need to control the outcomes. But I do my best to actually be deliberate in what I create in the first place. And they have a trust in what I've created in the first place. So I don't try and go and control things after. The yeah, yeah, that is that is awesome. And, you know, as a teacher, I look back and I think, wow, there was a time when I thought that was my job to control the students in the classroom and control the mm. environment and control myself and all this. And once I learned that it wasn't my job and that it was more important to let go rather than control, things started to work a lot better. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, Definitely. More flow when we let go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, your book 
is really good. Stepping okay. Beyond Intention. It's not your only book, but it's a very good book. And I enjoyed reading it from cover to cover. There's so much in that book. And before we talk about the book, I want to share a little bit more about you, Daniel, with Mindful mm-hmm. Tribe. You're an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, mm-hmm. you're a best-selling author, and you're also a qualified reality transurfing practitioner. And I know about that because I've interviewed about that topic. Your work oh, has nice. been featured in major publications all over the world, including NBC, CBS, and some others. And you've recently been included in the Wall Street Journal's Masters of Success feature. That sounds yeah. very impressive. <laughs> it's not so recent. I think it was in last summer that mm-hmm. happened, but um, I actually keep, I've actually looking at it now and, and a copy of the of the edition that's got the... the uh, the feature in there so it's pretty cool that must have been so exciting and now yeah. i'm going to read the most important line at least i think it's one of the most important lines because it says through his work daniel aims to serve and uplift the lives of as many people as possible helping them to live abundant joyful purpose-driven lives so how awesome is that do you love that life you know there was a time when i thought that being an inventor was going to do it. There's a time I thought being a millionaire was going to do it. There's a time I thought, you know, being an investment banker was going to do it. But when I got beyond all those stories that society had led me to believe was what was going to light me up. And actually, through a lot of pain and struggle, (laughs) came to a place of actually creating my own relationship to myself and to what I want for my life, my purpose. I found my calling and I'm just overjoyed that I get to do this every day. Wow, that's great. Now, in your book, you teach how to choose in the present moment the paths that lead to the outcomes that we want to experience in the future. And Mm -hmm. isn't that what it's all about? Tell us how you came to that point, because I know that you've had some real struggles in the past. Mm -hmm. I would say that the... So I read The Power of Now in two thousand and nine I think it was I read the power of now and that's when I was coming off of some pretty dark times for myself and uh interestingly I was going on a mission not to improve my life but I I I wanted to find out what was wrong with how I'd been manifesting up until that point because my intention was actually to commit suicide and I I didn't want to to fail (laughs) and so I actually sought to improve my ability to manifest so that I could manifest a successful outcome and then sort of just sort of fade away into black. And on the journey, I ended up accidentally polluting my mind with all these positive inputs and all of these questions that came forward. And as I read The Power of Now, I, I understood that there, there a lot of the ideas that we have about what time is and where we want to do things and how we want to create get lost in the fact that the only thing that's real is the present moment. Everything else is you want to call it a dream, an illusion. But the thing that, you know, has really informed my work is that when you go and speak to a yogi or go and speak to a shaman, they say, oh, you know, the past is a dream and the future's a dream. Yeah, but if I've got trauma or if things have gone really wrong for me, then they are pretty real because they're affecting me now. And so that step of my beyond intention paradigm, which is the four-step model that the book is around, aimed to get us to a relationship with the present moment that honors the past 
because we're not putting the head, our head in the sand about it. We're taking the wisdom of the experiences, we're taking the lessons without being a slave to the emotional responses and reactions to what's happened. So that taking all of that wisdom, we can make more expansive, forward-moving choices now instead of playing out the same patterns, unconscious and from anxiety and stress and trauma. I know that uh, it's kind of cool. One of the things you talk about is the choice machine. Tell Mindful <laughs> Tribe what that's all about. You know, if we look at the way that reality is constructed, and this isn't, I'm not coming at even this from an esoteric or like a, a mystical perspective, although the science that's being explored even till today really is just adding substance to a lot of these mystical ideas. What we're looking at is infinite potential existing in the fact that there are infinite possibilities and outcomes that we can experience. And again, you know, the woo-woo gets, gets all of that lost, right? But ultimately what happens is when we look at experiments such as the split test experiment, which was first performed, I think, by Thomas Young in 1801, 1802, something like that, where they started playing with what happens when they're moving energy in the form of light between one point and another, and that the expected result that we receive when we're not actually observing and imprinting or enforcing that expected result onto the energy, it, it just started doing its own thing. So they, they had this light beam, they split it into two, and then it's supposed to come back together. And it wasn't anything about expectation. They were literally exploring what was going on between waves and particles. They were looking at energy a very, in a very pure way. But when they weren't in the room looking at what happened, when they weren't actually observing the experiment, it wasn't coming together in a predicted way. It was going into an unpredictable pattern. The thing that we get to pull from that is that our expectation, at least to some degree, and I'm not saying that expectation, but at least to some degree, what we expect to happen when firmly imprinted on the future actually starts to inform energy to take shape in that way, shape or form. When we look at the fact that we as humans, this computer, this light, this microphone, if we were to take this to its smallest component and open that up, it's 99.999% energy. So the thing that we've been we've seen has been scientifically demonstrated to respond to expectation before it takes shape is what we're all made up of, is what reality the universe is all made up of. So when we start consciously directing our expectation to what we want to happen versus unconsciously being led to creating what we don't want to happen, we can start to actually create what we want. The choice machine is about taking that idea of expectation taking the idea of the fact that consciously or unconsciously, we're always selecting what formation that energy is going to take and developing a relationship with ourselves, so that we're more conscious, more of the time, more mindful, most of the time of what we're expecting and therefore what we're experiencing. Wow. Wow. You're so eloquent with how you explain this. <laughs> uh, I know that a person who has had a huge impact on you is uh, Dr. Joe Vitale. Tell us yes. what kind of an impact he has had on you. I'm, I'm really interested in that. So when I was on my journey is when everybody started getting excited about The Secret. I think The Secret came out in 2007, 2008. But by the time I was sort of a year or two into my journey, everyone starts talking about this stuff. And I'm like, guys, I've been, I've been talking about this for, for years now. And this is really an oversimplified model. 
the secret is great because it opened people up to this way of doing things but in the same breath it also kind of created a lot of the what I, I and this is my opinion and people may not agree with it a lot of the cookie cutter shortcut popcorn relationship to reality creation which for some people has actually led them down paths of not creating what they want for some people yes created what they want but there was a book that joe did called the key right and what the key did was start to verbalize the ideas i'd had about the fact that the law of attraction first and foremost what most people refer to as law of attraction is actually a misquote of the law of vibration the law of attraction is not a primary universal law it's a secondary universal law which means that it's dependent on other universal laws to have life the law of vibration is the primary law that the law of attraction is based on me being a vibrational match for something doesn't mean it's going to come to me it means it's available to come to me me focusing on the thought frequency of what i want doesn't bring it all the way to me it makes it available to come to me i still need to open up the path to receive it that's like me going to the uh, you know stepping up to a, a baseball um diamond with a bat right and the balls are being fired and i'm not hitting it and i'm saying well you know i've, I've just i've just i'm visualizing a home run the balls are coming and i'm not hitting it not only that, I haven't learned how to, I haven't learned how to hold the bat. I haven't learned how to position my feet. I haven't practiced hitting. And then that creates the connection between my vision, my positive thought of hitting it out of the park and actually hitting it out of the park. And Joe's book, The Key, went through some of the things that get in the way of us hitting it out of the park or even learning to hit the bat. I ended up starting to build out my formally build out what I call my clearing toolkit as a result of that book. I already had an informal thing before then. Now that's one of the free resources that we share with people um, on the website. And it's just understanding that every single one of us have things that are standing in the way of universal law, our prayers, our manifestation, uh, our, our, our meditation, our visualization, bringing things into our life. And I think just that taking the, the, the nonsense out of the mix that there is more to it than just sitting and alming and thinking something's going to come. That practical insight was really, really impactful for me. Yeah. And Dan, isn't it true that with all of your coaching clients, you give them a copy of the key to get started? Isn't that what you do? Well, I give them a copy of the clearing toolkit now because the key goes into everything. The clearing toolkit now just gives us like a, a summary and I keep updating that. I'm always checking out new tools. I'm always investigating new tools. I'm always inviting people to give me new tools to check out. So now what we do is we actually now give them the clearing toolkit as a resource for them to start building their own relationship to what's going to clear the path for them to creating what they desire. Oh, would you tell us more about what's in the clearing toolkit? Sure. We've got meditation. We've got things like breath work. We've got theta healing. We've got laughter is on there. Uh, we've got movement we've got uh, nlp we've got hypnotherapy on there we've got rtt rapid transformation therapy which is really really powerful as well to name a few there are lots and lots and lots and like i said i'm always on the lookout for more stuff there's some like lesser known stuff like heart speak which is a really great modality that empowers you to start shifting your emotional space i've come to develop a great friendship with uh, dr ann jensen who created the model um those are just some of the things that we've got on the clearing toolkit Wow. Wow. And those are just some. That's quite <laughs> amazing. Well, I know one of the things you really believe in is binaural beats and healing music. Tell yes. us how you, you feel that can really change our lives. 
Well, frequency has a really big impact on us as humans, right? Because we're energy and energy moves according to frequency. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the experiment where people put, uh, I think they put like oil on a speaker and they play different frequencies and it actually ends up taking different shape because sound has a really impactful effect on, on the way things move, how atoms move. So when we're talking about binaural beats, what we're actually doing is we're going into the brain and changing the frequency of the brain through binaural beats. Our capacity to think a certain way, our capacity then to act a certain way, our capacity to build neural pathways to habits and behaviors can be impacted by those frequencies in the brain. So binaural beats are really great for that. And then in terms of sound healing, you know, when we look at the backbone of our energy body, which are the chakra system or the energy centers, they all sit at a particular frequency. When they're out of whack, it throws us out of whack, but sound can be used to put them back into harmony. That's why we have such a response to music in our body. You know, music can change our mood and make us feel differently. Things like, you know, sound baths where they use different instruments in order to create different resonant frequencies. And there is also work of like my friend, Greg uh, Papania. He's actually got the music that actually goes through your chakras, your energy centers, and uses frequency to actually tune them in. Almost like getting a, a tune up, just like you would a, a, a vehicle. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? Did you say that's Greg, your friend Greg? Greg Papania. Yeah, right. Greg Papania. And it's gregpapania.com. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you shared that in your book. Uh, well, I know you play the piano very, very frequently. And that's a, a sort of th- almost therapy for you. What do you play? Because that's like me. I love to play the piano as well. What do you play when you sit down to play? I actually play by ear and I create more than anything. I've got a few things I can play. I, can, I do have my level five music theory, so I can read music, mm-hmm. but instruments, I play the guitar as well, looking at my guitar in front of me. For me, they're about just allowing myself to move whatever energy and emotions are in my body through sound, and I find that to be very therapeutic. Right. Well, I do too. I absolutely do. Another person that you talk about in the book is Dr. Joe Silva and the Silva Method. Yes. And tell us about the Silva Method and your experience with it. The Silva Method actually came into my life, I'm going to say, where aren't we now? 2021. I'm going to say 18 years ago when I first came upon the Silva Method. Mm. And uh, I was like, oh, this is interesting at first. And then when I started to play with the tools, I was like, oh, my goodness, this <laughs> stuff is bonkers. So I've done, I've read books and I've, I've done some of the programs that his daughter produced and now the the work of the silver methods is really the foundation of the work i do with the construct work that i do with clients now where we create a mental space for us to to heal to create outcomes to engage with parts of our mind to answer questions to do mastermind work you know sometimes we introduce some of the specific tools that jose silver and his in and his family produce but a lot of the time it's just creating an individual play space for the people that we work with so that they can create. It's really bonkers how much of an impact you can have on your reality playing through a personal construct. Really, really is. Wow, yeah. I'm so happy to be already working with a number of listeners as a mindfulness life coach and hypnotist. You might have heard of someone who's lost weight or quit smoking with the help of hypnosis. As a licensed hypnotist, I work with anyone struggling with an issue. Maybe it's sleep, maybe it's smoking or weight loss. Well, I've lost 35 pounds myself and kept it off using hypnosis. And now I'm offering a beta package. And I'm really excited about this beta launch 
because it means big savings for you and it means I get the opportunity to work with people like you and I have openings for only three people so you need to act now if you want to lose weight I've created a video to help you called how to lose weight for good watch the short video and then book a quick call with me and you can jump right in now and you'll get 50% off the price of the package so go to mindfulnessmode.com slash weight loss and if you just want to book a time and talk directly to me go to mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk so I look forward to connecting with you now back to the show one of the things that uh that you you said it about the middle of the book you started talking about meditation and how meditation is one of your most prevalent daily activities mm-hmm. and you know let's talk about meditation how has that influenced you and changed your life you know a really funny thing was that meditation first came into my life about 20 years ago i was studying with a particular teacher uh, i'd already been doing a lot of the visualization work and so on and so forth and he was like okay you know so you're going to put an apple down and you're going to look at the apple and think about divine love for an hour. So I don't really, really get this. So, right, Doesn't cool. sound like fun, does it? No. So I actually ended up not going that deep into meditation at that time. And then around 2015, 2016, I came into the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza and his guided meditations. And at first I didn't get it. And then I went to one of his events in Berlin and I, it, it clicked for me. I really, really got it. And things really clicked into place. And I was able to go back to meditation. And now I do silent meditation. I do transcendent meditation, other forms of meditation, understanding that it's almost like plugging in, right? And getting the power boosted and also developing a clean space to look at what's going on inside, to be in a space of mindfulness and space of awareness. Also, the meditative state is a very powerful place to be to do other things. So my visualization is done in a meditative state. When I'm looking at uh, addressing my mood and and temperament, I can go into a meditative state and reset that and develop a deeper level of dominion over my immediate reality. So for me, meditation is a very multifunctional tool. Um, I don't believe that everyone has to meditate in order to get into a meditative state. For some people, playing the instrument is what's going to get them into that meditative state. For some, it's going to be going for a run. For some, it's going to be watching a sunrise or listening to the sound of the water. For me, what's most important is actually being in the meditative state and giving yourself the opportunity to tune in and connect with that part of ourself. Wow, I love the sound of your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love your accent. I love the sound of your voice. I was just going to say, your podcast is so much fun because I get to hear the sound of your voice on your (laughs) podcast. And it's called Do It With Dan. And you laugh a lot and you have a lot of fun, but you share so much insight. It's really great. Mindful Tribe, go to it. Listen to to Dan's podcast, Do It With Dan. But also your website is called dreamwithdan.com. And Mindful Tribe, you may not be able to believe it, but when you go to his website, dreamwithdan.com, there is so 
much there. And there is so much there that you can just help yourself to. It's mm-hmm. not all about, oh, pay this much money for this and pay this much money for that. And now you can pay some more money for this and that and the <laughs> other thing, right? Like that's what really Im- impressed me that, you know, there's so much there for anybody at any level. It mm-hmm. seems to me like you have just been creating and creating and creating and offering it to your people for quite a while. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. And I think this is the thing, you know, and this is not to knock on people that are more sort of hard on the selling stuff. But what I've found to be the case and the way that when I'm working with people on creating financial abundance, I found to be most effective is recognizing that all financial abundance comes through people, but it doesn't come from people. It comes from source. And when I open up to just serving more people, what it actually ends up doing is creating more inroads for me to actually be blessed with financial abundance. The more I give, the more I get, because God doesn't shortchange, he always gives extra. And the more that I make myself available for that inbound blessing, the more it comes. So maybe the stuff I give away doesn't necessarily even come through this. It might come through one of my other business interests. Maybe it might not even come as money. It might come as things that I need, but everything I need is always taken care of and, and some. And I get to enjoy supporting other people, being able to go out and do the same, to give to others, to share to others, and to be in a place where they're so filled up that they're overflowing, and that adds to the world in beautiful ways. Well, Dan, I sure appreciate what you do, and I read many, many books and interview many authors. I've got over 600 episodes on my (laughs) show, and I interview lots of authors, but when I started reading your book, I'm like, oh, this is different. This wow. book is really different. There's he's getting he's cutting right to the chase and he's sharing 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 how to get ahead in this world, how to achieve if you're stuck, how to how to make real impacts and real inroads. So I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing, oh, Dan. It's you. incredible. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I also want to talk to you about this. I want to ask you, as a black man, what do you mm-hmm. think about Black Lives Matter and that that campaign and that movement? So this is a, a bit of a hot topic. I actually, um, I submitted an op-ed that it wasn't picked up, but I submitted an op-ed on my, my views on, on this. Because I think it becomes more challenging because depending on where you are in the world, your experience as a person of color is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Then once you look at where you are in the world, you've got to look at social class because a lot of it isn't just racial. There's also a social class. Yes. But there are parts of the world, this, you know, movement particularly started in, in the United States where there's been a cultural suppression of particular races into lower social classes. Um, and socioeconomic classes. And so what ends up happening is that struggles that are faced by certain socioeconomic classes tend to be more regularly associated with certain racial groups. Putting this into direct context, you know, there was moves to suppress people, social mobility in terms of where you live, uh, redlining uh, in the school system, deliberately suppressing people, uh, limits in opportunities, Uh, all of these things were happening and they've been happening. You know, we had the end of segregation supposedly in the 60s and the social rights, the social, um, the civil rights movement. But when we look at that, let's just think about this. 
I was raised by my parents. So the ideologies of my parents and my peers who also had parents who share those ideologies in my social setting are going to be shared. It's going to take a, a big impact of, out of external circumstances to shift me. And even if it only shifts me, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to shift the other people in my social class. Let's look at who the leaders are right now. We've just had um, Donald Trump was just the president in the US. Now you've got Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden got caught with his pants down making kind of dodgy comments about, <laughs> about Barack Obama. When the plight of um, the people that were speaking up for the Black Lives Matter movement was being expressed, you know, that you can find Donald Trump speaking about a lot of things and he didn't really speak about it. But that's because he didn't have, at least on one level, he didn't have any upside or any relationship emotionally to the experience of it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm from a middle class family in the UK. Number one, are there aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement that are felt by people of color in the UK? Yes. But again, I don't fall immediately under the social class that's most deeply affected by it. Have I faced racism, prejudice? Have things in my life been harder because I'm a black person? Yes, and it's been spoken to me directly in some instances. But I haven't been in fear of my life from people that are supposed to protect me, which is the result, the, 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 the reality for people in the US. I, me going into the quote unquote wrong area in the UK may mean that some skinheads want to beat me up a little bit or spit on me, but they're not going to lynch me, which is the reality for black people in the USA, right? There are some parts of the country you can't go to because you literally won't get out alive. You know, horrible right. things can happen to right. you and that's a reality. You know, the police might stop and search me more aggressively in the, in the UK. I personally have felt the sting of, you know, looking at situations that I've been in and saying, you know, if I hadn't been black, maybe it would have been different. Maybe it wouldn't have been, but I wouldn't have that question if I wasn't a person of color. In the US, I don't really even drive when I'm in America. I had a green card application that I pulled because I've just got a son now. I don't feel safe necessarily. You've got to you know, pick and choose where you're going to be. These are real, real things. Unfortunately, however, you've got things like the Black Lives Matter political movement, which is not the same as a civil rights movement, which hijacked the name. So you have people besmirching the hashtag BLM or the Black Lives Matter movement because a political party has hijacked the name and is basically a pseudo-communist party. So there are people that are bad-mouthing the, the word Black Lives Matter on account of political movement that isn't actually the civil rights movement. Then you have um, things that are being done in the name of Black Lives Matter, such as peaceful protests turn into riots. Now, there are some narratives that say that a lot of this was incited bricks were put in front of places and antifa who you know and you've got conspiracy theories and stuff like that but ultimately there's just a big mess that means that we don't have a clean narrative which is some people are not having the full quality of life that they deserve as humans because of the color of their skin this is happening at uh, an institutional level this is not being pulled up and unfortunately, I feel it's going to be a generation or two before that gets kind of worked out because the people who run the country now were raised by people who said that black people aren't even humans anyway and actually argued against them receiving full civil rights. So they're the people that are in power now. 
we've seen improvements, but it may take a generation or two of cultural integration, of understanding each other, and of, of having difficult conversations before we start to see real change, because it has to come from the top before it's seen on all levels, I think. I agree. And, you know, I, I just want to say you have an incredible way of communicating very clearly. And I know that you were diagnosed with autism as an mm -hmm. adult. And yeah. very often people who have autism have trouble communicating. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's true. Tell us how this diagnosis impacted you in your life, Dan. Well, I'm very fortunate in that um, on the autistic spectrum, I have Asperger's. And yes. when people ask me what's the difference between autism and Asperger's, one of the key things I always say is that with Asperger's, we can communicate. So our brains are wired the same way to a great extent, but with Asperger's, you can communicate with the outside world. What that's actually meant in terms of my work particularly is that the very structured, formalized way that my brain works means that ideas have to be in a very succinct and structured way. Otherwise, I have a complete meltdown and I can't, mm. I actually can't deal with it. So, you know, anything that's systemized, I can learn it. If anything doesn't have any system or method to it, I have a meltdown. You literally see me having a panic attack. You know, things like my wife sending me a message while I'm in the middle of grocery shopping and changing the grocery shopping list. That's a potential panic attack for oh, wow. me, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you know, leaving patients with that or someone just like, changing the script or something so that's been that's been the thing i mean for me my diagnosis was a gift i'd spent my entire life with crippling social anxiety crippling general anxiety terrible insomnia i had no capacity to hold relationships of any of any of any function really but when i had my diagnosis i understood what what was up and i was able to then tune into what my gifts were and upon tuning into my gifts what actually meant was that i then saw okay these are my strengths and these are my challenges I was able to find appropriate support for my challenges and to put work into strengthening up my gifts. So because I can learn things systemized, I went and studied about social dynamics. Okay, so I'm having social anxiety because I don't, there's no system, it, you know, it's throwing me off. Go and learn about people and the way that they socialize and the way that those dynamics function and get a basis for being able to operate. And that's actually helped me. Now people think that I'm, oh, I'm a social wizard. No, I just understand some of the systems around how humans communicate with each other. So that's actually created a space for me to be able to move through that with a bit more grace and ease. Yeah. And, and it appears from the outside that you move through it with incredible grace and ease and that you, <laughs> you just seem to have this life that just everything is amazing. I mean, obviously I've read your book and, and learned about so many things you've done and everything, but mm -hmm. would you tell us about someone you've coached uh, obviously a lot of this might be confidential, but could you tell mm -hmm. us a story about someone and how their life has been impacted by the coaching and the assistance you've been able to provide? Have you got any particular things like relationship, health, financial abundance is where I've really focused for the last couple of years. I don't know if that's something that you Yeah, I was just going to say abundance. Yeah. Somebody yeah, yeah. that was just not able to create abundance in their life and then you helped them and everything changed. It's... I'm going to give you two, a chap and a lady, because sometimes I've had this before. You only give lady stories or you only give men stories. So I'll, I'll give one of each. Um, I think one lady I'd like to talk about is she was married, 20, 21 years was married. Husband was completely in charge of all the finances. She got into the marriage quite young, lived fabulously abundantly, 
with the with the ex-husband came out of that and now wanted to be independent by herself it didn't take five minutes it took a little bit of time but now she's got a six-figure net worth she has a successful business she's an independent investor as then she goes and finds her own opportunities that do well for herself she still get some alimony from her ex-husband, but actually now creates enough of her own wealth and abundance so that even if that got cut off, which is something that he lauded over her for a long time, that if she didn't behave and do what he wanted, you know, she, he was going to pull that plug. She's got freedom to now financially support herself and her children. Not only that, she has an independence that's now leaking to other areas of her life. It's created space for her to go and address trauma, to go and address other challenges and to actually live a more abundant life. So that's an example of, of one person. Wow. And yeah, abundance can really give you freedom. So that's a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a chat that I'd like to talk about. I've got a couple that I could call them, but I think I'm going to use one guy. The reason I'm going to use this guy is because he's the only person that I've ever bullied to be in my program. Now we oh, were friends. Interesting, <laughs> I was just going to ask you a question about bullying. So here we go. Great. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I don't know. It just, it, I, I had it in me that, this guy's really going to be served by this program. And generally speaking, I don't have sales conversations with people. I have opportunity conversations to share what the opportunity is. And honestly, to understand if I want them to be a part of my community or not. I've had people that after a while have said, you know what, I don't think we're a fit, you know, for, for our community. Mm-hmm. The cool thing is I don't need them. This part of my life financially isn't my core financial my core source of a financial um, income. So I can afford to say, Adam, I don't know if I want to work with you or not. And you know, you have like, especially in the coaching world, oh yeah, you know, discovery call, we're going to see if we're a fit. And no, they're going to sell you, right? And they're going to use NLP to make you think that it's that. But I genuinely get to choose who I want to work with. And I just knew that, I knew that this guy was going to, going to add to our community. So he finally said, yes. For about a year, he kind of bimbled, like he was doing okay, you know, he was kind of chipping away at some debt and sort of getting himself together. And then after a while, he like, he's like, do you know what, I, I really want to take this seriously. Uh, he decided to upgrade it to the, the higher level of my program. Within three months, he was making ten to $25,000 a week. Oh, wow. Now, the funny thing about that, and this, this is one of the funny things, especially as we're both musicians, is that Initially, what he was trying to do was use his music to be the source of his abundance. Mm-hmm. He actually had a very traumatic experience around 2008 and losing everything when the financial crash. He'd been doing real estate. He actually has 30 years of real estate experience, but he was so knocked back by what happened in 2008. He'd actually been running away from real estate. So we ended up doing some work around that and creating some clarity and getting him into a flow with it. And now he's making tens of thousands of dollars from 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 this industry that he was and not only that what's actually happened is that's opened him up to go and creating other opportunities we're actually going into business together on something else right now that's going to make us you know you know good money and really help people but all of this came interestingly from someone that i just knew was going to be served by our community and he's actually been a great assistance some of the other guys in the community have now got financial freedom from being in business with this particular chap uh and it's just funny because generally speaking like i said i don't I kind of, I don't even do a callback. You know, I don't do a follow-up call. Hey, you know, have you thought about what we spoke about? We have the conversation. I say, look, this is what it is. I don't think we're a fit or this is what it is. 
I think would be a fit. This is what it looks like. If you're open, you've got my contact details. There's no like limited offer or whatever. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, because I'm programmers, I do have limited spaces, genuinely. But, you know, there'll generally be another time in the future. You can go on a waiting list or something like that. But with him, I didn't let out. I was like, do you know what, dude, you're coming to do this program. You're coming to do this program. And it was, it was, and he thanks me for it now. I did actually sort of kick him up the butt and get him to come and join up, join up. Well, that's great. And that's sometimes the job of a coach is that you, mm-hmm. you just have to do that a lot of times, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, way to go with that. Dreamwithdan.com, Mindful mm-hmm. Tribe. That's the website. I, as we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 okay. second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has had a huge impact on your life as far as mindfulness is concerned? I'll definitely say it's the work of Eckhart Tolle. A hundred percent because it brought me back to a respect and honoring of the now and everything that leads into it and from it. Mm, That's obvious from the work you do. Number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? I don't believe that we can have a deliberate hand in anything unless we're present. And mindfulness is a gateway to that presence that allows us to have dominion over ourselves on all levels, including our emotions. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. The breath allows us to center, allows us to ground, allows us to change the, the from the what part of the brain that we're operating in and to get to a really clean space to be able to move forward in a direction that we consciously choose. Your book, well, you have a number of them, but Stepping Beyond Intention is one I really recommend because I just finished reading it. You have other books, The Dreamer's Manifesto. You have the book Power of Proximity. You have From Time to Time, I -hmm. believe it's called. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you have The Money Game. Mm -hmm. Money Game. Anyway, I know that you recommend a number of awesome books when I when I read your book, what would mm-hmm. you recommend right now as a book that could help someone with mindfulness? I would say mindfulness that's directed somewhere is very powerful. And a book that really supported me with directed mindfulness is The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Have you read have you read the book? I have and I yeah. just loved that book. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. <laughs> that's that's a book that I often mention too if I'm on yeah. an, on a podcast. Yeah, it's wasn't it such a great book? Beautiful book, beautiful book. And I read I read his other book, The Untethered Soul, and I wasn't so moved by it. So I can definitely see that his journey as an author definitely has has progressed between the two books. But the the surrender experiment teaches I believe, to develop a trusting, present relationship with yourself, with God, universe, source, and with your life that facilitates you just being in a beautiful space of flow. And for me, I think directed mindfulness is where it's at. And that's a very, very powerful book to support people in reaching that state. Yeah, for sure. Can you share an app which helps you or some of your clients with mindfulness? And there's a couple apps that are really good. Um, Kelly Howe has got a great free app that's got some free meditations on there. And what's cool about that is, you know, there's like a five minute one, a 10 minute one, a 15 minute guided meditation that are really powerful. And if you want a bit more variety, definitely Insight Timer is another free meditation app that's really, really powerful in terms of you having a variety of meditations and you can even meditate at the same time as other people and build different communities. I think those are two really cool apps. Well, you know, I 
enjoyed your book. And as I, re- as I read your book, I kept writing down questions and questions and thoughts. And I thought, oh, when I talk to Dan, I'll ask him this and we'll talk about that. And look at the time now. We're almost like we're running out of time. But, you know, and, you know that's, sometimes it's easier if I don't read the book and then I can just not be filled with all these incredible questions. But it's so awesome to read a book and then be able to interview the author. I loved how the purpose of intention, you said, is to achieve self mastery over your state of being mm-hmm. and it's so concise and then you have steps and the first step is accept mm-hmm. accept your life and the second step is clearing mm-hmm. and it's about getting present and mm-hmm. let's talk about the third step because you said that's where the magic happens yes gratitude so if we go back to what i said earlier about you know connecting expectation and when we spoke about the choice machine Ultimately, we get what we expect that we have a clear path to. Whether that's a positive expectation, which we generally class as faith, or a negative expectation, which we class as fear, we're creating with both of those things. When we fear something, we're actually calling that experience in. We're connecting to that outcome, that possibility, and bringing it in. We're using the law of attraction, but the path must be clear. The sad thing is, is that generally it's easier to create what we fear because we fear something because we have enough evidence to accept it as being real. And faith, generally, we're transcending resistance to something showing up for us. We're having faith in it because we don't have as much physical evidence that it's gonna show up. Gratitude, I have found to be a very powerful tool in cutting through that noise and connecting positively with an outcome that we want. Not only does it affect us emotionally, The brain quite literally shifts and changes when we're grateful for something that we haven't experienced yet. It's a way of developing a very powerful magnetic connection of expectation to an outcome that we want to see in our lives. And when we do that from the clear space of a present moment that doesn't have the stories about the future that may not happen or the past that has happened, but I'm here and now, we're in a very powerful position to anchor in that gratitude. And then we move into step four, where we simply remain mindful thinking and feeling with awareness as to whether we're still on track with that positive expectation or not, and seeing whether we need to get some support. Do we need to take some time out? Do we need to reset that connection so that we can call it into our lives? Mindful Tribe, check out the podcast, do it with Dan. <laughs> check, out, check out his website, Dream with Dan. Anything else we should, oh, I know what I should say, social media, you're all over social media, at yep. Dreamer CEO. Yeah. We're, Is there anything I missed, Dan? <laughs> no, but if they go on the website there's the social the social uh social media net links are all are all on the website you know i'm also spending a bit more time on clubhouse if any of the mindful tribe are on there could be starting some conversations i would love to have them be a part of those conversations but yeah we're on twitter instagram facebook all of the things linkedin everywhere Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing the time with us today on on mindfulness mode it's been great talking Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that we got to co-create this experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Bye now. You too. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. And thanks to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Hey, Erica, we really appreciate you. And Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis. And I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer or a coach or a counselor or someone who just loves helping people, 
Consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can become a hypnotist, just like I did. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. And if you'd like to work with me and break through some of those mind blocks, maybe lose weight, maybe quit smoking, maybe it's something else, I would be so thrilled to work with you. And as you've already heard on the show, I'm doing an exciting new beta launch. I've got room for three people. So reach out to me. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk for a free short conversation about what I can do to help you. I look forward to hearing from you. That's mindfulnessmode.com slash let's talk. So now take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.